Um, in case we haven't met, my name is Peter, and I have the privilege of opening up God's Word with us today. So uh, we're just beginning the Easter series. Um, just want to ask you, can you join me and pray to start? Let's bow in prayer. Oh Lord God, uh, help us to understand what the Bible says this morning as we open it up, and please soften our hearts to enable to respond to it, as well as see how we can apply it to our lives. And Lord, I ask you that as I speak, that you speak through me, that it's not be my words, but your truth that becomes clear as I speak. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. When we are in a shopping centre sometimes, we have these beggars. Well, they're not really beggars, but they're those people who are in those little stalls who are grabbing your attention, who are calling out to you and just catch your eye and you, yep, you get into a little conversation. And I'm not so much talking about the ones that are trying to sell you a product, whether it be solar panels or whatever, talking more about the ones where there's a cause, there's a charity. And I don't know about you, but I always have this sort of, well, if I am who I am and I believe what I believe, maybe I should be giving them the time of day to think about this charity cause, whatever it is, and to listen and spend the time. But often I feel that guilty feeling as I sort of shrug them off or dodge their eye contact and avoid that person asking for my money. But I wonder about my attitude then, and it gets me thinking, and then sometimes I actually do stop and talk to them and have this really long conversation and... Um, it's, it's really nice when very, very rarely you actually go, oh, this is a cause I'm really passionate about and I already contribute to this. They often don't know what to say about that. But um, do you get what I mean? People begging in a supermarket in the centre of even forest-like shops or if you have travelled overseas, you might have seen maybe in somewhere like India or the Middle East, uh, the beggars on the side of the road or just outside public places and... There, there may be even this bigger twinge of, well, they probably do have this major problem because the socioeconomic support in that society is not as good as in Australia. And so you have this maybe guilt or maybe you give a little bit or what do you do? We're about to meet two beggars in this passage today. Uh, as we open up the Bible, there'll be two blind beggars. Um, while I'm reading the passage... Uh, feel free to open up your Bible to Matthew 20. Uh, it's also going to come up on the screen if you just want to read along with me. Uh, but I want you to also just think about the response to these two blind beggars. Uh, where we're opening up is about two-thirds of the way through Matthew's Gospel. And Matthew's Gospel is the first account in our Bibles of the life of Jesus. What's been happening in the chapters leading up to this is a whole lot of the teachings of Jesus, the miracles, um, some of the parables, and we're really getting a picture of what Jesus' life is like. And this is sort of the end part to that, because if you turn over your page in the Bible after our reading today, you'd hit Matthew chapter 21, where this is where Jerusalem is going to head to Jerusalem, and we have things like this triumphant entry into Jerusalem and then more steps towards the cross. So it's sort of this hinge point 
in Matthew's Gospel. But if you can open up with me to Matthew chapter 20, we're picking up at verse 29. Jesus is with his disciples. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside when they heard that Jesus was going by. They shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. But they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately, they received their sight and followed him. So we have Jesus passing by, we have the crowds, and we have these two blind beggars sitting, because that's really what they have to do, just sit and wait for someone to be generous and put some money, probably had a little bowl there, and they wouldn't have just been sitting quietly and waiting. They would have been yelling out all the time. This is the way they got the attention. Just like we know people in the supermarkets are yelling out and grabbing our attention, they would be doing their best to grab the attention of these passers-by. And they hear a crowd, and this is a great opportunity to call out. But what do they say? Lord. So the Gospel writer Matthew is giving us a little hint here, because when people in Matthew's Gospel use the word Lord, they're not just throwing it around anywhere. They're people who have a faith in the Lord and are calling him their Lord. So these two blind beggars are men of faith. Son of David. Son of David. This next expression they use is a title. It's a, what we call a messianic title. Or it's saying, this is the Messiah. So this is the guy that, from David's descendants all the way down, there will be a Messiah. And this Messiah is the rescuer of the people. Because these people have been living under oppression for a couple of hundred years... And they're just waiting for someone to rise up and to come through and fight off the enemy and then they will have such a better life. And especially these two guys who are like at the bottom of society who are begging for their money, surely their life will get better if the whole Jewish people would get better. So they're pretty keen for the Messiah to come and rescue them. And then they also say, have mercy on us. Or have a heart for us, Jesus. Open up your heart. Soften your heart for us. These are outcasts. These are blind beggars. They are outcasts to society. So uh, it's even bigger or worse or more severe than when we get into this situation in a shopping centre and there's someone asking for money, probably on behalf of some other people who really need it. But there's sort of that distance. But these people are here in the street yelling out, trying to make the attention over the crowd. So how does the crowd respond? Rebuke, silencing them. So it might be that they're just used to these beggars being really annoying. They're always yelling out, asking for money and telling them about the problems that they're having in life. And their everyday 
attitude is as they walk through the street, they go, forget about them, shut up, I don't want to hear it. So it could be just a little bit of that that's going on because these guys are professional yeller-outers. Or there could be something a little bit more severe going on. I mean, because they're outcasts, and then here's this guy, Jesus, who's gained a bit of a reputation for himself. He can heal people. He has this great teaching. What would Jesus want to do with you guys? Hey, I'm going to go and find out what Jesus is on about. You guys are stuck there. Just stay there. Shut up. We're going to go and get something special here. Don't interrupt. Don't ruin the, the opportunity. Don't ruin the occasion. So in some ways we can see already that it's actually the crowd, the followers of Jesus who are following him and trying to hear what he says, who are actually the blind ones to who Jesus is. The blind beggars have yelled out that he's the Lord and the son of David, yet this crowd is saying, be quiet. Whatever the reason, we don't know what was in their heads. It's pretty sad, isn't it? That these followers of Jesus are stopping people from coming to him. Uh, There's a commentator that puts it, sometimes Christ's followers are the greatest obstacle to others following him. Whatever the reason, are you and I one of the crowd following Jesus? that is actually the greatest obstacle to those who need him being able to follow him? Is it by our actions, our attitudes, our inaction? Actions that maybe don't reflect well on the church. An attitude that is the same as everyone in the crowd and just isn't really distinct that there's anything different because we are Christ followers. Is it the words that we use are a bit self-righteous or just annoyed with people? Is it my failure to respond to those in need, to have compassion on people like that? My concern that I need to get you near to Jesus but forgetting that there are others in the world as well? Well, let's see how Jesus responds and let's pick up on the differences. So, these are blind men. They're outcasts. I've mentioned they're undeserving, of course, of this rabbi, this teacher. So, of course, he would keep his distance and maybe he would be really nice and just to say, hey, someone pop some money in the plate. No, that's not what he does. Um, oh, maybe he's gone, ooh, their theology's a little bit out. They're calling me the son of David, which is a sort of messiah term, but there's a lot more I'm about to do. I'm about to step into Jerusalem. I'm about to do this amazing thing. So they're a little bit out on their theology, so I'll ignore them. No, that's not what Jesus does. Up to this point, in fact, Jesus has been saying to anyone who says to him, son of David or Messiah, can you rescue us now, please? He's sort of been saying, well, let's just keep quiet about that. Let's not go and tell people that that's what I'm here about. But this time, he doesn't seem to quieten down these blind beggars about that rescue idea. And as we flip over the Bible to the next page, we actually see him having this triumphal entry into Jerusalem on a donkey instead of a horse, but it's really a sort of a messianic or messiah rescuer sort of image. But what does Jesus actually do? 
let's go back to the Bible. He stops. Now, I was trying to get my head into what these guys who are sitting there thinking, how, how can I, having seen all my life, understand what their situation is? This is my a little attempt, all right? So we're at an intersection. It's a highway, a motorway, Logan motorway, switch motorway, something like that. Cars traveling along 100 kilometers per hour, and you're at this little maybe dirt track about to get onto the motorway. The only thing is it's night, and no one's got headlights. And so you're sitting there in your vehicle thinking, okay, I have no idea if there's vehicles coming. I'm blind to what's going on. As all these sounds coming, oh, maybe that's a break. Oh. It'd be so hard to be in that situation. And do you have any chance of being heard or understood by the passers-by who are flying along at 100 kilometers per hour? And that seems to be what the crowd is doing until there is one that stops. And it's like it flashes emergency lights. Um, Screams to a stop, emergency lights, here I am to rescue you. And that's the sort of picture that I think of Jesus stopping. He's stopping, and suddenly these blind beggars get the attention what, which what they've been asking for. Jesus stops. And he has an invitation. What do you want me to do for you? This is an invitation. It's personal. The easy thing would have been to just go, oh, okay, yep, pull up. All right, these guys are blind. Zap, done. Drive off again. But that's not what Jesus does. And this question of Jesus really blows me away. What do you want me to do for you? If Jesus was standing here saying, what do you want me to do for you? Wow. Wow. That's quite a question, isn't it? What would be our response? This is the Jesus that is just about to step into Jerusalem, heading there. There's steps that are taking place. And it's not that he's going there ignorant. What is he about to do for these two guys and for all of us? The unimaginable not just rescue the people there from the Romans who are oppressing them there, but Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And he knows what's about to happen. And if you don't know what's about to happen, there's going to be a great opportunity here for the next couple of weeks, but you've probably heard a little bit of the story of Jesus going to the cross willingly to take on sin. And that's the ultimate of what he can do for us. And then we've heard this morning singing about he is alive again. Jesus is about to do the ultimate. Defeat death, open up entry into heaven. So in Matthew 20, we have these two blind guys who are faithful guys, but they're faithful nobodies, with a huge request, and they ask him, can you restore our sight to us? That's a pretty huge miracle. They could have just said, hey, Jesus, it'd be great if you could put in a whole heap of money. We know you could convince a whole crowd to put in a few coins. But no, they go for the the miracle. 
They go for something that is going to help them immeasurably. And Jesus' response has compassion. It's not the distanced healing. He actually touches them. And not just them, but their eyes that are the impure, unclean part of them. In the religious times of the day, you definitely wouldn't be touching sick people or diseased people, but Jesus touches their eyes and they are healed. Their sight is recovered. It's hands-on. Jesus is hands-on in the way that he responds to these guys. And as the church, the people who make up the church, are we hands-on sort of people? Uh, Here at Forest Lake Baptist, in the wider church, do we show the love of Jesus in a hands-on approach where we're willing to go beyond our comfort zone and actually connect with people in a personal way that is inviting them Is it those in our neighbourhood, our workplace, our school, in the groups that we're a part of? Do we have this hands-on approach to helping people? And we don't want to separate. Oh, we'll just help people's physical needs or, oh, let's forget about the physical and let's welcome the spiritual needs because people are people with physical and spiritual and we want to look at people in a sort of holistic way. There's a song by Leyland, While We Sing. It picks up on a few of these ideas. Just going to have some of the words come up on the screen in a moment, uh, and I'm going to read uh, out a couple of verses. Just understand that the image behind this, or the idea behind this song, is they're using singing la, 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 as a what we sort of do in all of our church and worship and all our church life and raising the question of, do good things happen in church like singing, but what happens beyond? In verse 5, this world is screaming out and we wonder why we feel so empty inside while we sing la, 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 as the hungry roam the streets. Verse 6, La, 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 as the broken are on their knees. La, 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 we keep singing. Is the church silencing those in the community around us who are crying out, crying out for Jesus, crying out for help? And then next verse, verse 7. Remember Salvation's Day when Jesus washed our sins away. The lost are crying out to be saved while we sing la, 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 la. And skipping down to verse 10, we're sleeping in an empty tomb. Church, arise. Arise and shine. Shake yourself from the dust. God is calling us to go. So this song, I think, hits it really well, that sometimes we can be a bit caught up in Yes, we want to follow Jesus, and that is a great thing, and some of the things we do are great things. We don't want to lose that. But are we also compassionate? Because that's really what this song is encouraging us to be. In light of what Jesus has done for us, are we caring? Are we compassionate? Are we pointing people to Jesus on the cross? How does Jesus respond to those blind men? Jesus recovers their sight. It was blocking them from following him. 
They receive their sight and immediately they follow. Note here it doesn't say he healed them and then gave them as much money and mansions and whatever else they've missed out on because their loss of income over the years. They still have troubles. It doesn't say he fixed all their worries in life, but he did miraculously heal. There's no doubt about that. He acts. They recover. When we look at the same incident in Mark chapter 10, it's really, really clear there that their faith has led to them being well. The real climax of this whole miracle is actually that these guys can follow Jesus. And they do. They merely follow him. And we know that the next thing that's coming, they didn't know this, but the next thing that's going to happen as they follow Jesus is Jesus is going to have this triumphal entry. That would have been a good start to following Jesus. But then as they continue to follow, we have a betrayal. We have an arrest. We have the cross. These guys are following Jesus. It's a personal, powerful, relational invitation that Jesus gives. But it's not easy. And this blindness they had was an obstacle to them following. And this blindness is meaning that the crowds aren't really listening to the needs and responding well. I'm going to take you to Psalm 34 for a little bit of a a glimpse. And this is well before the life of Jesus. Uh, Early in Psalm 34, David calls himself a poor man crying out, and the Lord responds. We're going to pick it up at verse 15. So feel free to follow along on the screen or on your Bible. Psalm 34, verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Just like in this miracle with the two blind men, these faithful, where the psalm calls it the righteous, are in trouble. They have troubles, and the Lord responds to them. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He's hands-on. Skipping to verse 22. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. See, the psalm is on about redemption. That's the focus of the Easter story. And as we close off Matthew chapter 20 and this miracle that is like a lot of the other miracles, but is a turning point for Jesus on that road to the cross. These two new followers have a tumultuous start to their following of Jesus, which we are going to be hearing about over the next few weeks at Easter. And the compassion of the Christ will be really on show as he willingly goes to that cross to redeem to do more than just heal their physical blindness. So my question is, 
how are we responding to the blind? The physical needy. It may be something simple like pieces of toast at a school on a morning. It may be meaningful partnership with people who are working overseas financially and prayerfully partnering with them. How are we responding to the blind? Those spiritually blind who need to know who Jesus is. Those in our classes, neighbours, clubs, groups, workplaces. And Jesus can help us to stop and listen and see. He can give us a heart for those who are spiritually needy. Jesus is compassionate. He enables recovery and a following of him. How are we responding to Jesus? Do we ask him for just a little bit of help or do we put our faith in him? Jesus asks, what do you want me to do for you? Is our answer, Lord, open our eyes. Let us see. Being part of a church will help. Talking to friends in a life group. There are pastors, elders, counsellors. You can come down at the end and even have a chat to someone after this if there's something you want to talk about or pray about. You can come along for the next few weeks and hear the unfolding story of Jesus' compassion in the passion narrative. You'll hear how we can respond. Can you join with me and pray? Oh Lord, this is a challenge to know how to respond in every situation. And we know there are troubles in our own lives and in the lives of those people around us. May the people of Forest Lake Baptist be a crowd that says, take heart to those who are in trouble and encourage people to get up and follow, to follow Jesus. Oh Lord, open our ears to the personal invitation of Jesus Make us brave to call on him and call on him even louder when people say to be quiet. And thank you for the compassion of Jesus touching lives. Thank you for the passion of Jesus going to death on the cross, following your will so that we can have redemption. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.